everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Lighthearted. My name is Anna. And my name is Bracey, and we're two average gals chatting about what it means to grow. We are super excited to have our second episode of our Grow series out to you. This has been so fun so far, and we're only like a few seconds in. <laughs> I'm already having fun. Very excited. So our guest today is none other than Leslie Carlucci, one of the best last names out there. She is a dear friend to both of us who probably loves growth as much as we do, maybe more. And she is hilarious. She's brave. She is loyal. And she is truly like the number one cheerleader. She always has something encouraging to say. And it's awesome. We love her. We're so happy you're here, Leslie. Ah, I'm so happy to be here. When you all messaged me asking me to do this, I was just so excited. So I'm honored. And thanks for having me. Uh, you're definitely one of our friends that I feel like is as invested in growth as we are. So we, mm-hmm. you were at the top of our list. And just so everybody knows, Leslie is a Scorpio sun, a Sagittarius moon and a Taurus rising. She is a 6-2 manifesting generator in human design and an Enneagram 1 wing 2. All right. Well, we're definitely going to talk about your Enneagram and all that good stuff here in a bit. And I did, we were going through Leslie's signs before we started recording and I had to giggle because her rising is a Taurus and she really is a Taurus. So I feel like we should maybe talk about that a little bit later as well, but we're going to start with our favorite question. What does growth mean to you? And tell us a little bit about your growth journey. I feel like I started consciously thinking about this and putting conscious effort into my personal growth a couple of years ago, uh, a few years ago in my adult life. And timeline-wise, I think that lines up with when I started doing therapy. So that was probably about three or four years ago. Um, I've been doing a ton of growth since then. Uh, my life is better in some ways, uh, different in a lot of ways, and maybe more challenging in others. But it's, you know, growth is challenging. And I think that's important for all of us to remember. It, it takes hard work and it takes a conscious effort. For me at that time, I think that growth meant I, I felt like I was holding myself back and I've always felt that I was the only thing standing in my way from understanding my goals, my dreams and, and really achieving those. And when I started going to therapy, you know, the therapist asked like, okay, like, you know, why are you here? And I used words like, I want to live my best life and be my best version of myself, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that's true. Um, and, you know, I really feel like growth for me has been those things. And I also, it's about removing weights and obstacles in your life too, to give you more clarity on your thoughts and actions. And it's healing too. And growth is all of those things. But I also think it's something not only personal, but I think it has to do with the human experience as well. If you are understanding yourself better and understanding your actions and understanding the why behind them, I think you can equate that to maybe other people in some situations as well. And I think it can give you a bit more empathy. Um, and I think, you know, we're all having this human experience and you can form stronger connections with other people if you're able to understand those things about and understand yourself and communicate those things to people too. So I think it can give you some really good perspective. And I think that's important in life. Retweet to all of that. 
Yeah, seriously. One thing I heard you say in that that I definitely relate to is um, kind of like being able to apply logic when to a to feelings, which are usually not logical at all. And so it just it's very comforting to understand like why we think, why we feel the way that we do, and then also understand that about other people. I feel like can lead to better connection, like more empathy and that all that stuff that you said when we have just a better general understanding of like what's going on for everybody. On the topic of therapy, I definitely want to hear about your relationship with anxiety, given that that's one of our favorite Uh, topics. Yeah, my relationship with anxiety. um, I have it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think I only actually started reeling this realizing this over the past few years. Uh, that I'm a pretty anxious person. And at this time, I'm not on any medication for it or anything, but I've only lightly considered that. Really, I'm just trying to like manage it on my own and use my own coping mechanisms right now. And I guess my journey through growth and anxiety is I used to in the past, I didn't have the words to describe what anxiety was. And I think through conversations and through therapy, I was able to do that, which I think has felt very comforting and giving me a lot of power. Like I used to just hamster wheel and spiral all the time. And don't get me wrong. I still do that. (laughs) But I think there would be some days or nights where I was just feeling a little bit off is the way that I would describe it. And I would always be asking myself like, Oh, what's wrong with me? Or why Mm -hmm. am I feeling this way? Why, why, why? And I would make myself feel worse. And that was not a fun experience. So like the whole night would be gone. And even before I would go to bed, I would be laying in bed and it would take me a really long time to fall asleep because I was just hamster wheeling, thinking about everything under the sun, like stuff that I, I don't even know. I couldn't even like bring anything back. And why was I thinking about those things? Right now I have better sleeping habits (laughs) in general, but I also don't do that much hamster wheeling at night, which is nice. Um, but now when I start to feel a little bit off, now I have the word to say, oh, I think I'm just feeling a little bit anxious. And I don't go down this rabbit hole quite as far of, of being like, why, why, why am I feeling that way? Which saves me a lot of time. And I can spend more of that time just sitting with those feelings of anxiety or trying to do some other coping mechanism to, to help deal with it. Yeah, the beating yourself up over having those thoughts is so annoying. It's the worst. Mm-hmm. That's For my sure. Enneagram one. <laughs> I recognize it well, Leslie. Um, what are your coping tools that have been helpful to you? Ugh, I feel like one of my number one coping tools is journaling. I feel like you all hear me talk about journaling all the time because it is so important to me and probably my number one coping mechanism. My journal, it is just a bunch of blank lines. I don't have any set rules for my journal. I don't like only write about my day or I don't only write lists or I don't only write my feelings. I can do anything in my journal, including write notes about books that I'm reading that I want to remember and look back on. Um, so I love that. And I think it's a, a great tool for anyone who might be starting to journal. Um, but journaling is a really important part of it for me. When I don't journal for like a week or two weeks, that's bad business for everyone. <laughs> um, 
I just feel like this like weight and pressure in my body. And I've always struggled with like expressing my emotions and getting those things out of my body. And so if I don't do that, I push them down and it feels like I'm more anxious. Um, so I try and journal at least once per week. And that's really for me. Some other things that are really important are exercise for me. Uh, that's definitely a big one as well. Maybe doing a little face mask or taking a bath. Anna, I know you can appreciate that. Uh, those Absolutely. are some helpful coping mechanisms for me. I think another thing too is if I don't take time for myself, I will start to feel more anxious and taking time for myself is a way that I cope too. And sometimes it's hard for me as a, a wing two in my Enneagram to tell other people that I don't want to come to the social thing because I want or need time for myself or to tell my partner, Sean, that I need to go watch TV and lay in the bed by myself. You know, that can be hard. But over time, I've recognized that it's so, so important for me. Okay, well, a couple of the things you just touched on sound like self-care to me. So tell us about your philosophies around self-care. Yeah, I think self-care is interesting because I feel like it feel like in society, they've just pushed all of these things down our throat to say like generally that these things are self-care. And I think those might be self-care for a lot of people, but they might be different for other people. So I really think it just depends on, you know, what we need and what we want. Um, for me, self-care definitely looks like journaling. It definitely looks like exercise. This also is like some of my coping mechanisms too, like when I'm feeling more anxious. Maybe I'll go for a walk. Uh, maybe I'll even like open a window just to get some fresh air in, get some sunlight. You all know I love to light a candle. Leslie is so <laughs> big on her candles. <laughs> it is so great. It's true. It is. Um, it changes the atmosphere like instantly. It's incredible. Can't recommend it enough. Go find my YouTube video on <laughs> why. <laughs> what was it? Influencer videos? Yeah. 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 yeah mm-hmm. We <laughs> For those of you who are not on our ladies night call. We each created influencer videos and it was something to see. Yeah, absolutely. Lighting a candle is definitely something for me because it just really does change the mood. And also just that act of doing it just feels like I'm doing something for myself. Um, Additionally, I found that just buying some flowers at the grocery store, if I happen to be there and am feeling it, can really bring a lot of like life and brightness into my home space. And that feels really good too. And I also really like to just eat something that makes me feel good. Whatever that means for anyone out there, um, that's something that I try and do for myself. Love it. Something else that you mentioned just a little bit ago is your partner, Sean. And so obviously your current relationship status is taken. Sorry, everybody. But tell us about how you've grown in romantic relationships, because I think for me, this is the area that feels the most obvious to me for where you've grown. Like as you know, someone's been your friend for at least five years ish, probably longer than that. I, that's like the thing that I could point to easily and be like, Oh yeah, Leslie's had a ton of growth in this area. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. It's a big area of growth for me. And I think even before I got in this relationship with Sean in my past relationship and my own personal growth journey, I was able to understand for myself, what I really wanted in a relationship, 
what some of my goals were for the rest of my life and what I wanted in a partner too. And that allowed me to have more clarity going into a relationship. You all have been on this journey with me to an extent. And I had some freak out moments when things were getting more serious because, uh, due to some of my limiting beliefs, I didn't feel that I like, you know, deserve this wonderful relationship or, you know, that I was like contributing enough to it, but uh, more on that later, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but Sean is a, a great partner. And I think an area that I have grown a lot is communication and understanding what a partner needs and how I can be a supportive partner. Because I've mentioned that I tend to really like kind of suppress my emotions and that has been a huge thing for me throughout my life. I always suppress my emotions and, you know, just kind of try and put on this front of like, oh, it's fine and I'll deal with that later or maybe I don't have to deal with it. Are you comfortable talking about why you did that? Like that, why that was your secondhand nature or whatever? I've thought about this a lot. Um I think that part of it is just who I am as a person, like my Enneagram one, I always want to lead by example, or I feel that, you know, out in society, I should put on like this persona of control a lot. Like I have control over all of these situations and control over myself. Uh, but I think that part of it as well was uh, within like my, my home and family, it didn't feel like maybe I was heard as much when I did express my emotions or maybe someone else's big emotions would take over a situation. And so I felt like I had to suppress mine to just like deal with it and be fine. But it wasn't fine. <laughs> and I've been working on expressing my emotions more, but also acknowledging my emotions as well, because I can't express them if I don't acknowledge them. And that's been a huge area of growth for me as well. And it's really important in my relationship with Sean too. Like I have to understand those things for myself so that I can communicate them to him and also communicate my needs to him because he's such a good listener and he wants to give me what I need, but I have to tell him sometimes, right? Like he can't read my mind. I mean, he can read my mind in a lot of <laughs> scenarios, but um, not all the time. And on the note of growing in relationships to be what your partner needs, I think very early in our relationship, when he would have challenges at work or personal challenges, I wanted to be the fixer. I wanted to fix everything. And I had so many ideas about how to fix everything, right? But most of the time, he didn't need someone to fix things. He needed someone to listen. And so now my first reaction is not to jump in and say what we can do to fix it. My reaction is to take a breath. <laughs> sit back a little bit and just listen and say, mm -hmm, you're right. That sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah. And that's been a big area of growth. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> um, have you read Atlas of the Heart? I have not, but I started watching the uh, HBO Max series. Yeah. Okay. I was just thinking about Anna and I's conversation about that book because it, A, it is like really helpful for identifying your emotions, like helping you identify your emotions. And then B, they also talk about like barriers to connection. And one of them is like trying to fix instead of listening and letting the person have their feelings. So you're just right on track with Dr. Brene. 
Yeah, I'm working on it. She's an inspiration to us all. Yes, <laughs> truly. One other, <laughs> one other more positive area of growth I think that I've had in relationships is accepting love and accepting what I do deserve. I mentioned that one of my limiting beliefs was like thinking that I don't deserve good things or like I don't deserve this good relationship. And I actually think towards the beginning of the relationship, we had a, a ladies night moment where I think I had sort of come to Jesus with all of you. And I got pretty emotional because <laughs> I was just kind of scared and I didn't know I was kind of at a, a turning point, right? Like, am I going forward or am I going back? And I went forward, obviously, and it's been great, but you all support in listening to me and helping me decide that I did deserve this great thing was really, really helpful. And I appreciate that. And it's just great to, to be in a healthy, loving relationship. We are so happy that you decided to move forward. Also that you let us like listen and support you. Yeah, the Leslie ladies nights nights honestly were like some of my favorites because you are not someone who historically has always shared um or been like quite as open, but I feel like this like letting us in with that was like such a huge breakthrough I felt like and it was great to be get to be there for you and be supportive because you've been that for all of us so many times. So it was awesome to get to be on the flip side of that. And I think something that you were going through with that is something that so many people struggle with where like when you are trying to make a decision about something, it's so easy to like let our brains just be like, well, this could happen and this could happen and this could happen. It's all these horrible things. And it's so hard to be like, yeah. And also this could happen or this could happen or this could happen. It's all these good things. Like it's so much easier for our brains to go to the the dark side of things, but not consider that there's just as much of a likelihood that things are going to work out and it's going to be great. Absolutely. All those what ifs, like what's the worst thing that could happen? Mm -hmm. What's the best thing that could happen, right? Let's be more positive. Yeah. And I think in my growth journey, that was a really pivotal time for me because I had to basically look myself in the mirror and say, Leslie, why are you freaking the fuck out right now? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And try and figure that out. And that took a lot of reflection and it helped me identify those things like thinking that I didn't deserve these good things or that I was going to mess it up or that I wasn't good enough. And so that was really important part of my growth journey as well. Yeah, for sure. Would you mind telling us about how you and Sean handled mental load for your house? Yes, definitely. I didn't recognize that mental load was a thing until I heard you all talk about it. And I'm so glad that you all brought it up. With so many things, awareness is key and it's the first step. So I feel really lucky that I have a partner that has a mindset like me that we are partners and we want to shoulder the burden of a lot. And we don't have kids yet. So I imagine that a lot will change when kids come into the picture. Um, and we also spend a lot of quality time together and do things a lot. So for myself, in mental load, I've started making a lot of lists recently, uh, lists about things that I'm anxious about, maybe, <laughs> but also to do lists. And I love crossing something off a to do list. It is Oh god. It's the it most really satisfying feeling. It's I swear, you're you're a generator too, and I'm a generator. I, it's like generators love to just like accomplish something and say this is done. Get it done. So I have this list and I put it on the fridge, and sometimes it's things that I personally need to do, and then other times that bleeds into things that need to get done around the house. 
Um, so it's nice to feel like it's organized. And for me, again, getting things out of my body is really crucial for uh, coping and not feeling quite as anxious. So uh, for the household, I'll put some things on the list, but a, a lot of it's just for myself. So I think a great way that we manage this mental load is having structures in place to manage it. And I think that's really key and a good strategy for maybe some other folks out there too. So um, some examples are things like we clean the house on the first weekend of every month and we change the sheets and do a load of towels and sheets on every Sunday. And we make the grocery list on Sunday morning and we go grocery shopping there. So we actually end up doing a lot of these things together, which is nice to kind of knock them out. And there's not really any question about who is responsible for those things. So that's been kind of nice. Um, we also have an app that is like a list app that we can both collaborate on. And that has been life changing. So we can add things to the grocery list on there, cleaning products we need, anything like that. So it's not like one person is responsible for doing that. We both have access to the list. Okay, well, seven, I use Notion. So let's hear what your app is. It's called AnyList. And it's so great. And everyone should use it. It's been very helpful. Leslie approves. Leslie approved. <laughs> so two other big categories for people living in the same household are groceries and cooking. And Sean and I do both of those together. We make the list together, we shop together, and we cook together. I would say that I do a little bit more of the cleaning up after dinner or the cleaning of some of the dishes. But part of that is because I care more about things not going in the dishwasher. <laughs> Wait, you and don't want so them to go I in the dishwasher? Fair. I don't want my nice pots to go in the dishwasher. Oh, okay. That's fair. <laughs> so I care a little bit more about that. So I'm more than happy to put a little bit of extra effort in there. But also part of that is because Sean does a lot of things in the morning for us. Like he makes coffee for us. He makes me a smoothie sometimes, which is great. And he tends to unload the dishwasher a lot as well because we tend to run it overnight. So I feel like we have a, a good balance of things there. And... Um, I typically take out the recycling. So I, I feel like we have pretty good balance as well. It all works but out. But I think these structures in place have been really crucial for us. Yeah, I feel like as long as you have some plan, some system, whatever in place, and it's working for everybody involved, then that's great. That's all you really need. Do you feel like y'all ever have like mental load check-ins? every once in a while to see like, how are things going? Are there more things that have been added to one or both of ours mental load that like wasn't originally talked about or anything like that? I don't think so, honestly. So I think that's an area of growth for us. Well, I mean, it's not Maybe always not. necessary. Yeah. We don't do it either. And I don't feel like I don't feel like it's necessary at this juncture. Like, again, with kids, maybe that will change. But right now we're doing fine. So Taylor and I have to have check ins because we we start slipping if we don't. <laughs> um, okay, well, I want to go back to limiting beliefs because you mentioned it a little bit before. What are some of your other limiting beliefs and how do you handle those? Yeah, so some of the main ones that come to mind first for me are that I don't deserve things, that I don't deserve good things, um, that something is too good to be true. And if I appreciate it or acknowledge it, then it's going to get messed up somehow. And that's not a fun place to be. I also have limiting beliefs that I'm not good at this or I'm not good at that. And that's, to me, a lot of classic imposter syndrome. 
especially at work. And I feel that I, I don't give myself credit for those things. So I'm working on trying to be realistic because, you know, I wouldn't be getting the acknowledgement at work if I wasn't good at things or if I wasn't doing a good job, right? And I work really hard. So trying to acknowledge that for myself is important to me. And I feel like those limiting beliefs are really likely to come up for me when I'm journaling or when I'm talking about them in therapy. And so that allows me to reflect more on them. And of course, just get my thoughts out as well as I'm journaling about them too. Or it might even come up with a specific situation. And I might be asking myself, why am I feeling this way about this situation? Or why am I uncomfortable with this aspect of this situation? And so I can start reflecting on it. And many times it might come back to a limiting belief. Yep, we're familiar with that. (laughs) I think too, the limiting beliefs, I had not really talked about them or thought about that ever before Bracey brought it up. But it's something now like working with kids that I see all the time. It's like truly just like part of our language. Like all the time people are just like, well, I'm not good at that. Or I, I'll never be able to do that or whatever. It's just like such common language these days and probably, and you know, has been for a really long time. And so it's so good. I think that this conversation is becoming more recognized or, you know, people are getting more comfortable talking about it because I feel like it really does start with little kids. Like, yeah. And it's just we're boxing ourselves in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I feel like it could be pretty life changing if you can like start when they're, when people are young and be like, Oh no, like that, what you're experiencing right now, you saying that that's a limiting belief. Let's talk about what that means. Let's talk about how we can challenge that. Yeah. And I had not heard of it either until Bracey brought it up and you all talked about it on the podcast. And I think that allowed me to reflect for myself and just notice trends over time. Even if we're, we're adults now and maybe we haven't thought about it before, it's a time to reflect and think back on those trends to help us identify them. Mm-hmm. Or if you're feeling some type of way with a situation, just dig a little deeper. Just dig a little bit. You'll get there. <laughs> get uncomfy. Okay, well, since we've talked about your Enneagram a little bit, let's talk about it a little more. So you are a one wing two, which is the opposite of what I am. So tell us about how you feel like you identify with your one wing two. I'm so glad that our friend group did this Enneagram thing, along with many other personality tests that we've done. Um, I've taken the Enneagram quiz twice, and I've gotten uh, one the both times, the reformer, the perfectionist whatever you want to call it. And I I really feel like I identify this. And a lot of times when I've read the details about ones, I I feel a little bit too seen, (laughs) which is a (laughs) little little targeted. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit targeted. Um, But it helps me really understand myself and also recognize that I'm not alone in a lot of these thoughts and feelings that I've been having. And throughout my life, I have realized that it sucks less to not hurt alone. (laughs) And that really takes me back to uh, when I was doing basketball workouts at like six o'clock in the morning in the summer. And we always used to say, don't hurt alone and like cheer each other on. So maybe that's why I'm such a cheerleader. I don't know. You really are. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So it it just really helped me like understand myself better and, and know that I'm not alone. So for me, an Enneagram one is all about like work uh, being motivated by ethics and doing the right thing, um, and also being really hard on yourself as well. And 
that's definitely been a challenge throughout my life. But when I am those ways, again, it brings more awareness for me myself. So I maybe I'm not quite as hard on myself or I sometimes remember to give myself some grace. So it's been really helpful in that regard. And I'm a proud Enneagram one. I love it. One thing that I've really enjoyed is seeing the way that your Enneagram oneness shows up versus Seb, because I feel like there are a lot of similarities, but there are also differences. So like he's, he is very hard on himself, but I think that he is really very concerned about doing things the right way, like technically on a small scale. And then on like a larger scale, he cares a lot about the environment and like that is where his like oneness and like needing to do the right thing and like be, you know, a good human on the planet really shows up. And I feel like for you, I've seen a lot of that in like politics and um, current events and things like that. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, definitely. I would. And sometimes I even get a little bit overwhelmed. Like there is, there are too many things that I feel like I have to change or that aren't right. And I think that leads me down a path of anxiety sometimes because I'm like, oh, there's too much to do. So where am I going to start or what am I going to do? And sometimes I get indecisive and end up maybe not doing anything, but I've grown to try and start somewhere. I think we all feel like that sometimes. Though, so yeah, yeah. give yourself a break Especially on now. Yeah. yeah. I also would love to hear about what's on your bucket list. The number one thing that I think about on my bucket list is going shark cage diving in South Africa. Wow. <laughs> and that is a very specific thing that it really I is. want to do. Yeah, I am actually pretty terrified of sharks. But I am an adrenaline junkie. I love I've been skydiving. I want to go do the shark cage diving. I love roller coasters. So that's a huge thing for me on the bucket list. Will I get there? Who knows? But you will. Maybe one day. Yeah. I feel good about it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I'm curious, what do you think the percent chance is that like you go to South Africa, you're face to face with getting in this cage in shark infested waters? Like, do you think there's any percent chance that you're like, uh, what am I doing? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Because I'm going to be there. I'm going to power through. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to back down. Will Sean go with you or no? No way. <laughs> would he go on the boat? He's too practical. He would go on the boat, but he's like so practical. He's going to be like, that is so stupid. Why would anyone do that? Right. This actually I mean, I might, no be, I might be wrong. I might be wrong. We'll have to, we'll have to ask him, but I don't think he'll do it with me. Not because he's scared, just because it's like kind of a stupid thing to do. Excellent. Um, okay. Well, where are some of your favorite places that you have traveled to? This is a big one because you have traveled more than a lot of people I know, I think. Yeah. I think my favorite place that I've traveled has to be Paris, France. It holds a really special place in my heart. Um, my, after my junior year in college, I studied abroad there for a summer for like six or eight weeks. And I was there during an incredible time. It was the Tour de France. It was Le 14 Juillet, which is steel day. And it was also the World Cup. So it was an incredible few weeks to be there. And my favorite thing to do was just sit by the Seine River and have some wine and cheese and just enjoy the evening. That's when the lights really were like shining the the 
iced, I guess, on the river, and it was so beautiful. So that's definitely one of my favorite places in the world, and it holds a really special place in my heart. I love Paris. Same. That's so cool that you studied abroad there. I did not know that about you. Yeah, my French used to be a lot better, but now I can barely remember any of it. So I mean, here we are. same, so... I had almost the exact same experience, except for I was only in Paris for a week. And then I was in Lille for the rest of my program. Yeah, it's it's definitely a cool spot. And just being there for the Bastille Day celebrations, I basically camped out like all day to be able to sit on the lawn of the Eiffel Tower for the celebration. And they had just these giant orchestras and singers and all of these things that and the night was topped off by this fireworks display where all of the fireworks were coming out of the Eiffel Tower and around it. And it was absolutely incredible. And I feel like in the United States, when I've seen fireworks before, they were just like fireworks that went up in the sky and exploded. But this was a true show that was telling a story and it was just beautiful. Wow. That sounds great. So if you had to move somewhere internationally, is Paris where you'd go? That would be an easy place to go. Yeah. I love the lifestyle there. Wine and cheese. Who doesn't love it? What about domestically? If you were going to move, where would you go? I love San Diego. The weather there is obviously beautiful. It's sunny all the time. It's like 70 and sunny and it's incredible. There are also a ton of breweries there, which is amazing. Love chilling at a brewery in the afternoon. But one of the coolest things about it, I think, is... You can look in one direction and you can see the ocean and then you can turn around and see the mountains behind you in the other direction. And that's just a really unique experience, I think. And so I just love the the vibe there. And I love walking along the boardwalks and like running there. And it's so nice. It's a great way to spend an afternoon. So there or maybe like Denver. I've been there a couple of times and it's just really nice. The weather there is great as well. You have the Rocky Mountains in the background all the time. Um, And I know what you all are about to ask. My partner's from Denver. We thought about moving there. Um, I don't know. It's it's up in the air. It's something that Sean definitely wants to do, and I'm open to it for the future. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Stay tuned, everybody. Okay. So I know that you did the values exercise that we talked about from Brene Brown's website. Can you tell us what your top two values are? Absolutely. I loved doing this when you all brought it up on the podcast a while ago. Seriously, if anyone hasn't, doesn't, it's such a great exercise. But my two values were growth and ethics. Wow. Which I imagine. (laughs) (laughs) What a perfect fit. Yeah, which after these conversations definitely comes to light through a lot of the things that I've mentioned through my Enneagram and just being here today. Um, Mm -hmm. And it also, I think, goes to show like the community that you surround yourself with is part of living out your values. And so I think that you all definitely helped me um, live out my growth value. So definitely appreciate that. There's a question that exercise that I really liked, which helped me narrow down my, my final ones and make these decisions. And it was something like, do you use any of these as a filter to make decisions? And I thought that really helped me narrow down these final ones here because growth is such a central part of my life. So that one was kind of easy for me at this point. But the ethics one, when I thought about what I use as a filter to decisions, ethics always comes into play. So it was pretty easy after that. 
And when we're thinking about growth, like we are here today talking about, when I realized that growth was one of my values, it also helped me fill what felt like a little bit of a gap in my life to this point, which I was putting a lot of pressure on myself about, which was, what am I passionate about? I have felt a lot in my life that I haven't had this one thing is such a driving force for me that I'm so passionate about. And I've put a lot of pressure on myself because I don't have that. And I felt kind of bad about myself for it, which I think society puts a lot of pressure on us to, to have something that we're passionate about. But pretty recently at work, actually, um, my company is doing like these wellness workshops and there was one about like wellness of mind, body, and spirit and journaling came up and people were asking a lot of questions about journaling and I just happened to be there. So I was like sharing my experience in the chat and it was like, oh, we should do another session on journaling. I wrote down Leslie and this other person's names because, you know, you seem like you know a lot about it. Maybe you could lead it. And when that happened, I had this electrical current running through my body. And I was so excited and I had so many ideas of how I would run this session. And I spent like the next 30 minutes, like planning it out in my head, essentially. And I think in that moment, I realized that not only am I passionate about growth, but I'm passionate about helping others grow too. And that brought me a lot of meaning for my life. It felt really good. That is so fun. I love that. I know. I was smiling the whole time that you were talking about this. And honestly... As someone who benefits a lot from journaling, but is so hesitant to ever journal, I would like to be included on this um, session that you're going to lead. I know I don't work for your company, <laughs> but maybe we can do a special ladies night where you lead us um, in it because I think I would, well, A, I would love it. And also I think I would get a lot out of it. I think the first thing that I would start with for anyone out there who is wanting to start to journal because it can be really intimidating and it can be really hard. I mentioned I have a journal that has a bunch of blank lines in it. That can be challenging if you're just getting started. So something that was a really big part of my growth journey was the 52 lists project journal. Each week it gives you just a, a prompt and you jot down some thoughts about it. And that actually helped me recognize a lot of trends for how do I cope with things or what makes me feel good or what do I love about myself? So if you're looking to get started journaling or not get started, you all are already here listening to this <laughs> podcast. So you've already started your growth journey, but 52 list project is a, a great next step. Just in general, picking a really cute journal makes everything better. It's like cute workout gear. Like, mm -hmm. It just gives you the cake in the pants to start. 100%. All right. Well, let's jump in to... The only segment of this show outside of just the regular chit chat is, uh, are this or that? Are you ready, Leslie? I don't think I brought up earlier how my anxiety makes me indecisive, but I've decided that I'm ready. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Okay. <laughs> Vacation or staycation? Vacation. Netflix or Hulu? Netflix. Night or morning? night passenger or driver driver i have control issues if i'm in the passenger seat i'm like on edge that's an exercise in trust letting someone else drive also that's an enneagram one thing i think <laughs> that sounds right all right train or airplane airplane 
And a thing that I like about airplanes, which is also probably an Enneagram one thing, is there's no expectation for me to be doing anything productive. All I can do is stare at the walls, and I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's fair. Um, Owe money or owe a favor? Owe a favor. Coffee or tea? Tea. I had some hesitations on that one because I'm more into coffee these days, but I'm a chai tea gal at heart. Love a chai latte. (laughs) Be embarrassed or be afraid? Be afraid. Oh, I don't want to be embarrassed. Oh, Lord, no. (laughs) (laughs) City or countryside? Countryside. That sounds very relaxing. Wine or beer? Wine. Ooh, I thought you were going to say beer. I know. I think I would have said beer like two, maybe like a year or two ago, but it just makes me feel so full these days and... I feel like wine is more sophisticated. <laughs> what a grown-up thing to say. Uh, all right, camping yeah. or glamping? Glamping. Absolutely glamping. I went camping one time, and it was pretty fun, but I'm a little bit high-maintenance sometimes. I don't like to get dirty, but I'd like to go on a hike. Cooking or being cooked for? Being cooked for is pretty fantastic. It is. Play or stand-up show? Stand-up show, definitely. Attend a party or host a party? Um, Attend a party. I do love to host. I really do, but there's not as much responsibility when you attend a party. And then I can facilitate people having a good time in a different way. Leslie, which you all know I love to yes, do. Yes, <laughs> Leslie is definitely a facilitator of fun. That's for sure. You should put that in your email signature. <laughs> facilitator of fun i love it (laughs) sneakers or dress shoes sneakers fiction or nonfiction? Nonfiction. i love a personal growth book hot coffee or iced coffee iced coffee patterned or plain oh plain okay reality shows or documentaries documentaries. Listen, I love The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. It's a train wreck you can't look away from, but there's something really artful about a documentary and learning something in the process and being able to have a conversation about it. I I love that experience aspect better. Pineapple pizza or candy corn? Pineapple pizza for sure. Candy corn is a novelty item and I can appreciate it, but pineapple pizza is actually good. (laughs) Is that a hot take? Uh, I mean, in some circles, absolutely. Not a, Maybe not in this circle. I don't know. Bracey, do you like pineapple pizza? It's not my first choice. I don't hate it, but this is actually Seb's favorite. So maybe that's also an Enneagram one thing. <laughs> I know. When I'm a wing one and I love pineapple pizza. So it must be. Maybe, maybe so. All right. That's all we have for you, Leslie. Again, thank you so much for taking the time and also just being vulnerable. Like this is a lot to share all of these things with a bunch of people that you maybe don't know. And we have no idea who's listens to this. <laughs> That's not true. Our moms listen. <laughs> so thanks for I'm sharing. Scared with my mom. mom's going to listen. Great. We'll add more moms to our mom club. Yeah, oh, absolutely. God. We really do appreciate it though. Seriously. Yeah. And thank you yeah, for being cool. such a great friend and cheerleader. Oh, stop. Thank you all for doing this. It's, it's really great. And, It's been an important part of my growth journey, so thank you all for doing it. 
All right. If you have any questions for Leslie or anything that you want to share with her, you can email us at lightheartedpodcast at gmail.com and we'll pass it along. And be sure to follow along on Instagram at lightheartedpod. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.